Uh, welcome to the Triclinium, a podcast named after the three-sided table used in the Lord's Supper, uh, where you're invited to join the three of us as we think through the matters of Christian faith, practice, and community. My name is Jacob Hawley, and I'm here with my co-hosts Nate Lead and Eric Burgers. And today we're going to be discussing, uh, our, our, it's going to be our first part in a discussion uh, on the Apostles' Creed. So today we're going to talk about um, the kind of the historical uh, interweavings of the Apostles' Creed and, and some of the other prominent creeds uh, that were developed at the same time. Um, and we're also going to be talking about probably and hopefully the first stanza of the of the uh, um, Apostles' Creed. So, uh, but before we get into that, how are you guys doing? Doing good, Jacob. Thanks for asking. How how are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing well. I'm good. doing well. I listen. I get to talk about the Apostles' Creed, so I'm happy boy. <laughs> good. I'm a happy boy. It's Nate. A good how about day. you? I'm doing good. I, you know, I'm looking forward to every conversation that we have. And, you know, Eric, I, I was expecting you to say, no, Jacob, how are you doing really? Just really hit home that, <laughs> that pastoral yeah. presence. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you how I'm doing really. My ears are hot. <laughs> I just took off my over-ear headphones because they hurt my ears and they make them so hot. So, Yeah. Sorry, that was if that was an overshare. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's get uh, into it. Hot ears. What do we got? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, I'm gonna start by kind of walking through like what even is the Apostles' Creed? Like, yeah. where did it come from? Um, so, the Apostles' Creed is known as the articulation of the faith that was probably the closest to what the apostles would have been uh, teaching, or at least that's what the tradition holds. Um, but it wasn't formulated until I think the fourth or fifth century, so it's it's much later um, of an actual like when it was written down and articulated for the first time. Um, it it has a trinitarian um, kind of structure to it, so it starts by talking about God the Father, and then moves to Jesus Christ, and then moves to the Holy Spirit. Um, the uh, kind of the basics of it, um, it's like one of the shortest creeds that we have, um, and it's one that, uh, like, as a general rule, is used as kind of like a, a measure of orthodoxy. Um, so the Nicene Creed is like the more articulated version um, that is oftentimes uh, used for for Trinitarian discussions. But if you can agree to the Apostles' Creed, um, then you could say it's like it's like the most open form of unity like of all of them right so even if you you have a, a disagreement over the nicene creed because there are uh debates between the east and the west even um the the orthodox in the uh in rome uh about whether or which version of the nicene creed should be used and so at least the apostles creed is like a uh you could say it's a it's a shorter form and it yields a little bit more of uh, charity and generosity in its interpretation and in what it's uh, binding its uh, adherence to. So, so that's kind of the that's kind of the the overview. Um, it was probably adopted from I think it was uh, there's this uh, rumored Roman rule, um, which uh, is basically like. Uh, a slightly shorter version of the Apostles' Creed that was developed as kind of a um, an oral version, I believe, of the Apostles' Creed. Um, 
that was used regularly, and so it was slightly refined, and then it got it took on the term Apostles' Creed. Um, but we don't actually think the apostles wrote this. Um, we would just say that it's the apostolic faith. It's the it's the faith that's been passed down from the apostles through the generations. So um, that's kind of like a brief overview. Um, are there any questions that we, you guys have like before we jump into kind of the the history surrounding um, maybe some other creeds or anything like that? Um, quick question, but and forgive me if you answered this, but what was the Apostles' Creed uh, formulated in the same way that the Nicene creeds or uh, m maybe some of the other creeds were uh, at the time? Because you know it's it's called the Apostles' Creed. The apostles were people written about in Scripture, but uh, you mentioned that it was formulated in the fourth or fifth century. So did it go through that uh, same kind of like council process uh, of formulation? That's actually, that's a really great question, Nate. Um, I don't think it did. Uh, as far as I remember from my research, I believe the Apostles' Creed came up more as a tradition than it did a, like, a, uh, a strict um, conciliar process. So, yeah, no, I, I would say it's, it's uh, maybe that's because it kind of has this reputation for being older than that, right? Like going back farther. Um, but as you'll see when we read it, it's much less um, clear about yeah. what it says. Like it's, it speaks to a lot less than, say, the Nicene Creed and then later on the Chalcedonian Creed. So um, so maybe, I think we can, we can move from there. Eric, do you have anything to add? Yeah, just real quick. Maybe it would be helpful just to kind of give a little bit of background to those who might be listening. Uh, many times various creeds, uh, as they come forth in history are produced as a gathering of different church leaders within a council mm -hmm. so there's a council that gathers and convenes together there's a particular issue that is warranting this meeting of the council and as a result of the decision uh amongst the council members um maybe decision isn't the best of word but as a result of the agreement amongst council members they produce yeah. a creed in order to affirm uh, what is orthodox and has been held by the church. Um, and, and that's also just to, to also further give some more context. Many, many, if not all of these creeds, there's abundant usage of scripture and interpretation of scripture that goes into the formulation and the understanding of various creeds. So that all to say... Um, I, I'm with you, Jacob, as far as the Apostles' Creed goes. I don't believe that I know of that this one was kind of a procession that came from a meeting of a council, but, I, but rather just a natural creed that came about uh, from church tradition. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of bubbled up naturally. Um, I'm looking again at the article that I was reading. Oh yeah, the old the old Roman Creed. So it's something that um, I believe that Ambrose referred to as the old Roman Creed, um, which was slightly nuanced and became the Apostles' Creed. Um, so it's probably like the, you could say, it's probably, probably pretty close to what you would call the regula fide, right? The rule of faith um, that is referred to by many of the church fathers before they have this kind of um, counseled, uh, approach to to determining orthodoxy. So uh, there were passed down oral traditions, and one of those is is referred to as the rule of faith or the regula fide. 
And so I'm guessing that it's likely that the Apostles' Creed is kind of a calcification of that regula fide. That would be my take on it from my little understanding. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so we can we can move on. Um, Nate has agreed to read for us the Apostles' Creed. So Nate, would you be willing to read for us the Apostles' Creed? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say uh, for anybody listening, it would probably be helpful in this episode if uh, if you pulled it up. Uh, just to go and kind of track along with us uh, so that you can have the words in mm-hmm. front of us or in front of you. Uh, we have the words in front of us. Hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. Eric and Jacob have them. But anyway, let's go ahead and read yep. the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried he descended to hell the third day he rose again from the dead he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of god the father almighty from there he will come to judge the living and the dead i believe in the holy spirit the holy catholic church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting amen it's good it's good Thanks, Nate. So um, I do know, I, I found out today from my research, that the, the East um, doesn't, or the, what I mean by East is the Orthodox Church. The Orthodox Church tends to stray away from using the Apostles' Creed, not because they don't agree with it, but because it's a, it's a definition that is not clear enough for them. They actually, they, they want to use the Nicene Creed because it, um, it harkens back to some of, I would say, the East's greatest theologians, um, and the uh, in the language and that like that crystallizing moment of uh, the the Council of Nicaea um, for for their faith. So, so they would actually prefer to use the Nicene Creed rather than the Apostles' Creed, not because they disagree with it, um, but because it's just more clear um, and it's it's more of an articulation of the faith. But the Apostles' Creed is used. Uh, very prominently in the West. It's used by, uh, I believe, the Roman Catholic Church as well as um, the Reformed churches, um, the Anglican Church, uh, all kinds of churches use the, uh, the Lutheran churches, uh, I believe, use the Apostles' Creed. So it's kind of a, um, you could say it's an ecumenical creed, uh, meaning that it is, uh, it, it transcends like denominations. We we're, The Apostles' Creed is basically agreed on by, I would say, almost every historic uh, denomination of Christianity. Um, there are a few that don't, uh, but y- usually it's for pretty minor reasons um, within the Apostles' Creed. So, yeah. Anything you guys want to add to that? No. Do you know, Jacob, by chance, uh, well, first and foremost, I, I I suppose I could see why the East would uh, tend not to use the Creed for the reason as you just proposed. Um Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get into <clears throat> well should it just not be used for that reason for uh, even in our own Protestant context today we can answer that in just a question but the the question I that came to mind as you said that was do you know if any other Eastern traditions also don't use the creed for that same reason so I'm thinking Assyrian Church of the East Oriental Orthodox mm-hmm. um, no I I would imagine that the Oriental Orthodox Church would not adhere is it chalcedon that they have no it's the i think it's the clarifications on chalcedon that they have the problem with um i think that i think so yeah yeah. 
But uh, no, I think the Apostles' Creed would probably be accepted by just about every church. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't really say anything controversial, right? Like, there's no... Besides, for us Protestants, the descent to hell, that's one that we... Yeah. That's the, I think that's the one thing that tends to make people squeamish about the uh, the Apostles' Creed, or uh, the reference to the Holy Catholic Church, but the word Catholic just means universal or worldwide. Um in its mm-hmm. you know in its native language and so um, it's not referring to the Roman Catholic Church it's referring to just that there is a church um, mm-hmm. from our and point of one view of them. Yeah. yeah yes uh, yeah well said um, so maybe then I'll pose I'll pose my question again to both of you um, is this creed too broad to use within church liturgy um, should it be used in church liturgy or what are your initial thoughts? on the Apostles' Creed and its belonging within the church today. Yeah, I'll kick us off. Um, Man, that's a good question. And uh, it almost feels like it's outside of my uh, league (laughs) to try and answer uh, broadly. Um, But first, I'll... uh, First impressions of the Apostles' Creed, uh, it comes across as... A, a creed that would be used uh, by people and uh, would be like well, how, how am I trying to say this uh, it assumes that you already know these topics so it, it doesn't go mm. into much explanation um, it, it is basically in my view it looks like a creed that uh, believers would use to reaffirm their faith so it doesn't look like mm. one that is very beginner friendly, <laughs> if I could use that term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially mm-hmm. uh, the communion of saints, uh, resurrection of the body. It's like you know, some of these terms aren't very, uh, you know, they're not <laughs> they're not friendly for people new to the faith. Uh, but instead, it looks like something that people would uh, would use just as like a uh, a unifying statement within uh, within the uh, membership bodies of the church. Um, so as a marker or, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent. Uh, could you, could you restate the question or Jacob, if you have thoughts, uh, well, so Eric had something that I think he wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to add to, to what you're saying there. I think you've hit an important point that came to my mind as I was posing the question. Um, I, I would go ahead and say and affirm that I do think this could be used even within the Sunday gathering uh, to to recite amongst the church body um, for the very reason of newcomers actually was was my idea hmm. and the reason I say that is because um, this creed is so fundamental in its bare bones uh, kind of idea of Christian faith in uh, belief that when uh, say a newcomer comes to church that Sunday um, they're immediately co- confronted really with with the f- basic tenets of Christian belief and practice. And so, mm-hmm. you know, non-believers, they don't believe these things. And so when they're coming to church on that Sunday, they're immediately experiencing what Christians believe, it, as Jacob said, transcendental of all church traditions. Uh, right. Bare bones, you're being exposed to what we believe. Um, so they don't believe that, and they see what we believe. And if, if God is working within this uh, particular person, uh, this could be a great 
uh, sort of introductory catalyst uh, into exploration of some of these different things that are being espoused uh, in the creed. So definitely, yeah, um, yeah I, I would one hundred percent agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely. You know, it, it, I think that this creed serves as a as a great marker of hey, let, let's talk through these topics. Uh, I think when it's approached in that way, uh, it, it can be very useful. I think maybe what I was trying to get at is just like if you were to pose this this creed towards a a new believer or a young believer, it it might just be like, what are you talking about, you know? But when it's when it's approached mm. in a spirit of, you know, like hey, let's talk through these things and kind of explain it, and as like a marker of, well, hey, you know, what well, let's talk about what the forgiveness of sins looks like, you know, or uh, you know, what what does it mean that God's the creator of heaven and earth, you know? It, it, yeah, I think mm. it can be very useful in that way. So. Definitely. Yeah, well, the the hope would be, um, like, for example, my church uh, occasionally does recite the Apostles' Creed. The hope would be that if they come across something that's, say, you know, as you just mentioned, the forgiveness of sins, they would be saying, forgiveness of sins, What what is that? What does that mean? The hope would be that the church provides the opportunity, as mine does, they'll say, there's a pastor at each door. When you leave, if you have any questions about anything you just encountered, please come and ask us that they would mm. come and ask about these things. And, and that's fundamentally important to the growth of the church. Um, and hopefully it's caring for new believers, as you mentioned, and engagement of non-believers who might be attending the service as well. Yeah. I actually have a story. So I, I uh, uh, when I, back when I was uh, as kind of, like kind of a part-time, not part-time, I was an interim uh, kids ministry director at my church uh, I was given the opportunity to baptize somebody. And I believe the girl that I was baptizing was like eight years old, maybe younger than that. She was very, very young. Um, and and I was, I mean, this was my first baptism. So I looked at like all these books and I was trying to like, you know, prep myself and do research. And I thought, well, a good way of deciding whether or not she's ready for baptism is by going through the Apostles' Creed and just seeing if she can can say all of these things with a clear conscience, right? Um, and so I, I remember having her mom and her walk into my office, and I started going through the Apostles' Creed, <laughs> and they both had just, like, this very blank stare on their face as they were reading. They're like, uh, yeah, I guess we agree to that. Like, it was, they were like, they were like, where did this come from? Like, where, where did you pull this from? And I go to a, you know, a Baptist church that kind of feels non-denominational-ish. So it made sense that they probably, they might not have encountered the Apostles' Creed before this. So I'm, here I am whipping out this, like, qualification chart for whether or not this girl's ready for baptism. And they're just, like, confused and, oh man, it was, it was so awkward. I could tell immediately, I was like, this is not gonna land well at all, but... You know, yeah. I kind of had to just push through it, but so, anyways, yeah, uh, Nate, pra- you're right. Practically speaking, a- though, like that—that that almost makes me sad a little bit hearing that story. I'm not—I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like, of course, I don't—I don't expect an eight-year-old to. Man, even just saying this, I'm not even entirely sure, but I'm not sure that I would expect an eight-year-old to be able to fully grasp all concepts within the apostles creed but one would hope right like Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. if this is what we basically believe uh like my thought is in catechesis of of 
catechumens in, in the church in the past. And I know I just used two big words. Um, catechesis is basically uh, kind of the equivalent of the word that we would say discipleship today, uh, mm-hmm. you would say. Um, so uh, kind of teaching new believers the fundamentals of the faith. And then yeah. catechumens are the people that are being taught. Okay. So mm-hmm. when in the historical church, I, it, it's not out of left field, I feel, for me to say that this was probably like introduced to new catechumens in their process of becoming members of, of the church body. And so part of me feels like, man, like as evangelicals and, and you know, some of those who have taken solo scriptura to its ultimate max to say things like you know no no creed but the bible like we've lost some of these gems that give us great kind of pathways into the basic fundamentals of the faith that we should be teaching the even the youngest and um newest of of people to the church to be able to to say this is what we believe um and there should be some understanding of these things amongst people. Uh, am I wrong? What's what's your guys' uh, thoughts on that? No, you're. I think you're actually dead on. The uh, the the original use of the Apostles' Creed, they believe, was for baptismal rites. So yes, it was. Thank you. It was like <laughs> they ask you. It was formulated out of the question: Do you believe these things before we dunk you? Right? Like yeah. that was the whole thing. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. I didn't do as much prep for this one as I probably no, should that, have. But that does I, make a I lot of sense because it, it hits all the major kind of buckets, you know, of, of yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and and then some extras as well at the end there, you know? <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. the, these yeah. major buckets, you know, our, our uh, major thoughts and, and concepts of the faith are reduced to four or five words. And so... You know, that, that, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier where, you know, the assumption is that you kind of know these things in order to uh, agree with it, you know, or, or as maybe it was historically used uh, in order to be baptized uh, within the church. So Yeah. I will say, and maybe you guys disagree with me here. That's fine. I think we could use the Apostles' Creed in our liturgies or in our worship to kind of like remember what it is that we're here to do and what it is that we together believe. But I I honestly don't like certain part how vague it is in certain parts. Like I mean, I kind of agree with the the orthodox like I believe in the Holy Spirit. The end. That's it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it, sure. what what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? No, just we believe in him. Like you could what? Yeah, you could say the same for I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Like, right. uh, a Jehovah's Witness wouldn't object to that. No. You know? uh, no. So, um, <laughs> That's, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but uh, yeah, I, I just think I, I'm, I'm sticking with my guns here on this one. I think that the, just because it's so basic here, the hope would be that upon resuscitation of this creed and it being introduced to to different new believers the hope would be that uh questions would follow um now you know you could make the argument that you know people just aren't going to ask questions or people uh just are going to turn a deaf ear when when we go to talk about these things um 
but that's besides the point to me. Um, mm. Like I would rather do it for the possibility of that to happen than not do it at all and and let people kind of in our modern mega church culture just slip into the background and have no idea what they believe about yeah. any anything in Christianity. It was something right. as ba- as basic as the Apostles' Creed. So to to piggyback on that. Maybe here's a here's an idea, and Nate, I want to hear your opinion on this. Um, what if instead of like, what if we kept the Apostles' Creed as kind of the figurehead, um, but that basically we kind of there was an implicit understanding, and maybe this is kind of the way it already is. Um, there's an implicit understanding that the combination of the Nicene Creed and the Chalcedonian Creed, which together is basically the the pseudo Athanasian Creed. Um, that, cause that's basically just the sewing together and slight, uh, clarification of, of the, uh, of the two, um, that those are like the meat of our doctrine. And that when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, what we mean is I believe the Holy Spirit is God and is Lord and is eternal and is not created and is proceeding from the father, right? Like uh, we believe all of these things as well. And when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, it's almost just a placeholder for the, the broader definition that comes from Chalcedon and Nicaea. So what do you think of that, Nate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I, I think that that's almost the intention of the Apostles' Creed, at least maybe what I'm reading into it um, and kind of what I've uh, iterated is that you know you you mm-hmm. would have some baseline understanding of who the Holy Spirit is before you just uh, agree to believe in Him, um, <laughs> right? You, you know, like if you're being asked to, uh, like for if this creed is you know used in modern day churches, just as like a as a marker, or, or as like a hey let's go through this you know and and uh, you know if it even if this was used for like church membership today. We kind of t- touched on membership mm-hmm. in the last episode. And so if the creed was just a, uh, if the Apostles' Creed was used as like, a, hey, let's go through this and let's just see if we're kind of on the same page, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you get to some of these areas and they're like, well, I don't know who the, I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is or who he is or, you know, what, what does that even mean? It's like, great, well, let's go through this. Um, and then you can dig into the, into the meats, but um you know, for somebody who does know the Holy Spirit, then they can confidently say, yeah, I, I do believe in the Holy Spirit. Right, right. Let me, um, let me even take this a step further, if you will. Um, let, let's go, let's go beyond it. Like, I want to hear you guys' thoughts beyond just, because we, we're talking a lot about the church gathering and Sunday gathering, how it fits within the church. Um, mm-hmm. it, it what about in family worship where where do where would creeds and specifically the apostles creed take place in in personal family worship because to me like um this would be a great resource to use to be able to catechize your own children right in the Mm -hmm. basics of of the christian faith um Mm -hmm. so something in case somebody's hearing me and having no idea what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so, so again, catechizing is the same flavor as catechesis and catechumen. It just means mm-hmm. teaching, teaching the basics of the faith, teaching the faith. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, 
if we're teaching the faith, the, uh, the Bible is explicitly clear. The, the, the parents are supposed to teach the faith and pass on the faith to the children as they're being raised. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as a little side comment, I think, uh, the church has done an, an awful job of this uh, in in recent times. Oh man, um, yes. So, uh, but it, but besides that, if we're teaching the faith to our kids um, and and we're trying to get them to understand the basics of it, or at least get them to think about the fundamentals of the faith, I would think the Apostles' Creed could be a great uh, just basic starting point uh, to be able mm. to talk about these certain things and get into the scripture that talks about these certain things. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, Jacob, you you were an interim uh, director of kids ministry. I believe I got that right. Well, yes, well, so I'm basically a professional. <laughs> basically. Well, I'm just curious because yeah. you have experience uh, dealing with families and particularly in a ministry context. So sure. you, you might have a bit more experience well, than me and, and well, I'm yeah, no I'm, father. I'm, <laughs> I'm even asking I'm asking this question uh with a heart to that experience he just shared with the mother and the eight year old you know um mm-hmm. i I don't want to bash on these people like super hard i no. i I get their circumstances and everybody has to do things within their own context um mm-hmm. but nevertheless, the Bible's command is to raise up your children in in the faith of the Lord, you know right and mm-hmm. some right. people just flat don't do this and they expect the church to do that for them right mm-hmm. um and that's that is clearly expressed in uh children's sunday school services where they're basically just sh- shoved off into their own little church land uh especially in <laughs> modern evangelical churches yeah um and uh so all, all that to say this is in spirit of uh man our heart should be to raise our children in the faith um and i would hope that we us three and then those who who share the same heart could promote this to to parents who are out there to be able to raise their kids in the fundamentals so so yeah uh i know i cut in there real quick but jacob are you kind of <laughs> in in step with me here yeah I, well so i actually think so I, the, there's the question that that comes in saying like, does the parent think this is a good tool, right? So like, I would I would offer it up to, to the parents. Um, yeah, yeah. You know their their analysis into the Apostles' Creed. If they don't feel like that, that's actually going to connect with their kids. Then I think there's room to say maybe use something different. I absolutely think that parents should be discipling their kids. Like that's that's yeah, not fair, a question. No, fair the, enough. Yeah. The, the tools that we use are a are a different question, but I would say um, it reminds me of the Shema, right? And by Shema, I yeah. think it's Deuteronomy. Oh, 20, geez, twenty-four. Four, no, no, I, it's six four through eight, I believe. Deuteronomy six okay. four through eight, uh, or it's four six through eight. But I'll I always get those confused. Yeah, on. please do. Um, but. You know, the hero, hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Um, and re- immediately after that, there's the, basically a command to tie these things onto your head, these commands onto your head, um, and uh, and ar- around your hands, right? And so, and to, to write them on your door frames and on your gates. So, like, there's, I, I don't know, 
I, the Apostles' Creed seems to me to be like it. It could very easily be um, akin to the the Shema for for our kids, um, and I think that there's great power in daily reciting something like that. I think it really drills it into you. Now, some might say that the um, the Lord's Prayer is that, and I could see I could see that as well. I also sure. think that you should definitely teach your kids the Lord's Prayer. Um, sure. But I I think the Apostles' Creed wouldn't be a bad um, approach to, to yeah. kind of having a, a you know a daily mantra that we all sp- speak together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And uh, you know, as we kind of talk about the Apostles' Creed from a parenting perspective, uh, disclaimer: I am not a parent, uh, but I was once a child, so I can speak from that perspective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for, from what Liar. I remember, uh, <laughs> you were never a child. <laughs> yeah. You were an adult from birth. <laughs> yeah. Like Will Ferrell in that SNL skit. <laughs> so what, yeah. what I remember Anyways. is that uh, uh, children's, I guess, discipleship tools or educational materials, uh, they, they tend to take uh, either small stories from the Bible and uh, try to simplify them or, or focus in on kind of the more like uh, visual aspects uh, what comes to mind is Jonah and and uh, being swallowed by the fish, or like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus feeding the five thousand, where you know you can see the imagery of the bread and the fish and the people. Um, right. And, and they focus on the narrative side of things. You know, they they focus on telling the story. So uh, you know it, mm-hmm. that's an effective story. Uh, it's an effective tool. Uh, and, and I know that children latch onto things, but the story of scripture and the story of redemption is so large. You know, it it, uh, mm-hmm. it encompasses so much, and it ha- it deals with time as well. You know, the uh, the beginning of time, all the way up until now. It it's tough to cover that, and so I think if you were going to uh, approach your children, you know, for, from a discipleship perspective, and try and teach doctrine, or or try and teach these uh, these aspects of the faith, or these statements that really clearly state what we believe. I think the Apostles' Creed could be a, a great tool. I could especially see, you know, uh, at, you know, at myself one day as a father sitting down my son or daughter and just saying, hey, you, you've heard, you know, mommy and me talk about how we're Christians or, you know, uh, or mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. And, and what does that really mean? You know, what is a Christian? Well, you know, let, let me tell you what being a Christian kind of means and walking them through uh, the mm-hmm. Apostles' Creed mm-hmm. or kind of these, you know, statements of faith that, that, uh, hit the big buckets, you know, and then you can also go through those statements uh, and, you know, like, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and you can pull out Genesis 1-1 and go through scripture in that way and kind of tell the story mm-hmm. and then relate yeah. it to mm-hmm. a theological point, you know, a, yeah. uh, an I believe statement. Uh, I think that would be a yeah. useful uh, tactic. Yeah, and what, what you're hitting there, Nate, is that, you know, this... Again, as we said in the previous episode, I think pretty clearly about creeds in general is uh, what's being said in the creeds is not coming from nowhere. You know, this is deeply grounded within the message of Scripture, um, and the Apostles' Creed kind of serves as that baseline uh, understanding of the the Scripture in total and mm-hmm. what its message is kind of portraying. So mm-hmm. I, and one clarifier from kind of what I was saying earlier and what you guys have said. We're, we're not saying, I'm not saying that you must use the Apostles' Creed when you're teaching your children 
the faith, you know, what we're saying is this could be an incredibly useful tool by which you could disciple your children, catechize your children in the faith, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and provides you that baseline to be able to talk about some of the fundamentals. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I want to move if we can, uh, into the, um, into the meat of it. Let's like actually talk through the Apostles Creed a little bit. Um, and so the, the first stanza there, um, I'm trying to go back. I scrolled through it. Here we go. Um, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And I'm going to include just the first part of the next stanza because I think it's important. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. So, um, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. One thing I think that's lacking from the Apostles' Creed that definitely could be said is it doesn't necessarily, like you pointed out earlier, Eric, it doesn't necessarily seem like Jesus Christ is is uh, being put forth as God here. It yeah. says, God the Father, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and then it stops full stop and it says i believe in jesus christ also god no it doesn't say that his only son our lord so it does say our lord Mm -hmm. um and i think i know where they're pulling this from it's funny because i'm reading through romans with my kids um Mm -hmm. and it's in the first chapter of romans they say so let me pull it up here i have it on our our list um in romans 1 uh, one through seven, it says, "Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus." He, so he basically opens up his letter, um, and it says at the very end, "To all those," or in, at the end of this little chunk um, in verse seven, "To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Yeah. So there's there's a bifurcation there. Now, I've heard before uh, some theologians say that that is Paul's way of trying to revise the Shema, which we were talking about earlier, in light of... Yeah, in light of Christ being Lord, right? So, um, in the Shema, it's, uh, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, right? So, God and Lord are synonymous. The Lord your God, um, the Lord is one, and you shall worship the Lord your God, right? So, there's all that. Mm -hmm. Um, or, so, love, sorry, you shall love the Lord your God. So, um... That being said, what Paul does here is he says, grace to, you, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And then he says, and the Lord, which you would be thinking, okay, God, right? Lord and God are, are synonymous here. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he's uniting Jesus Christ and the Father in one, uh, under one title or splicing the title to give them each a piece of it. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, well, I've even heard that uh, that title that's that's ascribed to Jesus consistently, specifically within Paul's epistles, uh, Lord, which in Greek is kurios, uh, mm-hmm. is in fact being used, employed as a divine title uh, for Christ. Oh, totally. Uh, it has yeah. to be. So, so yeah, I, I'm in step with you there. I, I do think it's probably drawing that that language. Actually, for me, the one that came to mind uh, as you just read that first part of the of the first stanza and a little bit of the second was was John one one, uh, being mm-hmm. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So there's God, who mm-hmm. many would likely assume to be the Father, mm-hmm. and the Word wa- and the Word was God. So right. uh, the combining. 
So there's clearly a distinction between the two, uh, but there's mm-hmm. also uh, a shared essence of the two as well. And so that kind of uh, that first stanza was kind of reminiscent of that passage uh, for me. So mm-hmm. it's um, again as uh, I'm going to just keep hammering this point. Um, these idea these words that are coming from the creed are not coming from nowhere and they're surely <laughs> drawing upon the message of scripture so in mm-hmm. light of the message of scripture and how it's using these terms uh you can clearly draw the connection that um jesus christ his only son is in fact god yeah yeah even though it's not the most clear even from the apostles Creed, sure that's where sure. they're going with it right um yeah so yeah, Nate, do you have anything to add to that? No, I, I'm right in step with you guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that the uh, the using of, or the, the addition of saying our Lord on the end of, I believe in Jesus Christ's only son, our Lord, uh, it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it does just, uh, it emphasizes and elevates uh, Jesus not only as God's son, but also as, as ruler, you know, too. And, uh, as Lord, you know, someone to be revered and uh, and worshipped as well. So I, I think it's clearly mm-hmm. used to connect uh, Jesus to God uh, and elevates uh, Jesus as God. So, yeah. Yeah, let me, let me just jump in and say this is where the Athanasian Creed might be helpful. So about, uh, about halfway through the Athanasian Creed, it says, in talking about the Trinity, it says, and yet... They are not three almighties, speaking of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, right? They are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord. Yet not three lords, but one Lord. So I think that pulls us all, like, it pulls all of our language about, um, the, about God and his Son and his Spirit into a singular title, right? One God, one Lord. Three be- three persons, right? But uh, one God and one Lord. So we're not saying three Lords. We're not saying, right? So that's the clarification that might be necessary. So to kind of back up what I was saying earlier about, we, we confess the Apostles' Creed as almost an, you could almost say like as, a, as an outline and as an ornamental, because it has a better flow to it. It definitely is not as clunky as like the, the Athanasian Creed is. Um, it has a nice flow to it, and it's kind of like the, the outline of what the Athanasian Creed then goes on to, to express. Um, but what we say when we confess the Apostles' Creed is we basically we mean in all the terms the definitions as given to us by the Athanasian Creed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, Any other thoughts on I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Uh, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yes. Just kidding. (laughs) Not nope. Yes. (laughs) We both both jumped in. (laughs) Yeah. Go go ahead, Nate. My apologies. Uh, I'll just say, um, you know, first glancing over it and uh, this isn't the first time i've seen the apostles creed but you know really uh taking a hard look at it all uh, in its entirety my first thought was like oh okay so they you know reading through uh i believe in god the father almighty it it uh, it identifies one person of the trinity and then kind of uh 
defines them. So, so God as mm-hmm. defined by the Father Almighty and defined as the creator of heaven and earth. Uh, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. God's son, his only son, who is our Lord, and then the story of Christ. And then it comes to the Holy Spirit, and the, the Holy Spirit does not get a lot of attention here in the Apostles' Creed. No, nothing. <laughs> I believe yeah. in the Holy Spirit. So you get, the Holy Spirit gets six <laughs> words. So I, uh-huh. at first I was thinking, uh, oh, okay, so th- this is concerned about each person of the Trinity and defining them in a way that's recognizable uh, to the reader or the speaker. But it, mm-hmm. it uh, you know, as we're looking at some of the other creeds, I'm like, well, some of these other creeds do that much better. And so uh, I don't think that the Apostles' Creed is trying to uh, be that kind of dictionary in this sense. Or, um, mm-hmm. sure. I, I, I think it's a bit more broad in that sense. And, and uh, like you, you should know who the Holy Spirit is uh, in this instance. Yeah. Or that's kind of what the Apostles' Creed is begging in that way. Yeah. Um, should we keep going with the creed? I, I have a suggestion for it if, if we're ready to move on here. I just want to make one quick note and then we can move. Um, yep. The, I think it actually makes sense that it doesn't go deep into the Holy Spirit because if you think about the time frame that it starts to kind of enter onto the scene, so we're thinking 5th century, 4th century, somewhere in there, um, probably not widely used until the 6th century, so we're talking four to 500 AD is what we're... What we're we've got our mind around right the um the spirit as god is only accepted i believe it's the second or third council which is so between 381 and 431 so the spirit being god was still kind of i think being hammered out when this confession was being uh forged right um yes and even like even uh, what the Nicene Creed says about the Holy Spirit is th- like it's pretty short about the Holy Spirit. It's and then in after Constantinople, uh, which is the Second Council, they kind of hammer out more like oh, and also these things about the Holy Spirit. So it was the Second Council that the Holy Spirit comes out um, as yeah. God as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to to cut you off there, Jacob. I was just going to affirm. Yeah, I was thinking as you were saying that Basil of Caesarea, who's uh, a massively influential theologian on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and right. uh, how he relates to the Godhead, um, mm-hmm. he he dies in, uh, it's estimated, uh, three, 380, 379 is, is what they estimate uh, BC. That's really sad. Because so, 381 is the, is the council at which his work would have been used to basically ratify... What he was saying. That's so sad that he didn't yeah, get to so, see it. Oh my gosh! Oh man! Yeah, I'm not. That's I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe he. Let's. I don't know if he if he did or not. Perhaps he didn't. Um, maybe that's why they date it like that. Is because he didn't. Um, I hope he didn't. But anyways, uh, <laughs> for anybody out there, it's actually a really great. It's a short read. Uh, if you ever have the chance, but he wrote a massive work on the Holy Spirit and defends the deity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's it's a part of the popular patristic series, uh, which is a book series on different church fathers. He he being one of them. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. On the Holy Spirit, um, and it's massively influential on the church in its doctrine uh, yeah. of the Holy Spirit uh, being in fact God as well. Um, so yeah. 
so just to affirm kind of what you were saying there, uh, Jacob. Yeah, it's good. And to plug a plug a book. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I have yet to read it, so maybe yeah, I, are I, we, I need to um, it It's great, uh, even on on just small. Uh, well, I shouldn't say small, but it gives small uh, topics like baptism. Um, mm. Largely, it's it, it's the Lord's Supper, so the sacraments, and then, but largely, it's a work on 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 the deity and defense of the deity of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, mm. It, good read, short read, which it, which is helpful too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, are are we ready to move on uh, with the creed and keep going here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I, I I'm kind of just as I'm reading the going on in in the creed here. I kind of mm-hmm. see that next stanza um, kind of just really given a basic layout of the Gospels, really. So the four mm-hmm. Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you, probably you can ar- argue a little bit of Acts as well towards the end there. Hmm. Um, hmm. But I'll, I'll just read it again uh, to refresh. It says, so continuing on after I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the basic story, like real bread and butter basic story of Jesus's life, ministry, um, mm-hmm. and, pur- and purpose in coming to earth. So the story of the Gospels and then furthermore his ascension, which I think gets a bit into Acts. Um, and mm. then the ju- the judging portion, as it said there, is probably a bit more revelation. But mm. um, how do you guys? What's your guys' thoughts on this portion? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I actually think that's that's really interesting. I also noticed that it says, I, "So I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit." So there's the the birth, right? Mm-hmm. Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate massive gap in his life so it almost feels like what the creed is trying to give us is the qualifiers for why we should listen to this guy right um i i don't think it's a coincidence that jesus is getting the largest definition or the largest amount of um conversation within the creed uh it's like it's a huge right you you get the father gets two lines the holy spirit gets one line and then Jesus gets like, is it 10? 10 lines. He gets 10 lines. So you think about the the claim that Jesus Christ is the one who reveals the Father to us, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that it is, if we are to speak of the Spirit, it is the Spirit of Christ, right? That we almost get our definitions of who God is in total, right? Uh, in, in all of the, uh, the persons of the Trinity, through the revelation of the Jew from Nazareth, right? This this guy who walked yeah. around and, and taught. And so the fact that he doesn't, that, that it doesn't go very in-depth into what he taught kind of prompts interest, right? It's like, it clarifies what Jesus we're talking about. The one that suffered under Pontius Pilate, the one that was born of the Virgin Mary. But then it kind of leads the reader and the, and the confessor to go and read for themselves what this guy said, 
So yeah. this guy, this it's this guy. This guy is the one we're talking about. Here's what qualifies him. He rose from the dead, right? And he, he will come back as the judge. And he was mm-hmm. conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, right? These crazy things that are not natural to, to uh, your average human. And then it says, it basically just leaves the, the reader to go and, and, and find out for themselves what, what Jesus teaches. Yeah. Um, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit here, too, um, because it's important. As little as we keep saying the Holy Spirit gets mentioned within this, uh, this creed, he is mentioned nevertheless. And this mm-hmm. is in a time frame where the deity of the Holy Spirit is controversial. So mm-hmm. the, the fact mm-hmm. that he's in, included uh, within this particular creed, uh, all of the Trinity is here in the creed. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we're further able to say that this creed is orthodox um, and and preserves orthodoxy. So uh, I, I just wanted to make quick, quick mention and show the importance that, yes, it does go into particular detail um, about Jesus Christ uh, because of how central of a figure he is um, in his ministry in the Godhead. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it, nevertheless, the Trinity is there within this creed, and I think that's significant. Yeah, yeah, no, that is, and that, and it's it's structured around the Trinity, right? I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So the the three things that are said to believe, they are the three persons of the Trinity. Well, He also was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and and that's significant as yes. well. What like what that's is that? That's a good point. What does yeah. that mean? You know that he was yeah. conceived. Who is this guy, Holy Spirit guy, conceiving <laughs> yeah. Jesus, who we just clarified to be God? You know, <laughs> like yeah, that's good. I I hadn't noticed that before. So he does get he gets two lines. The Holy Spirit he, gets two lines. Yeah, and I would argue that first line is critically important um, as it mm-hmm. moves on to, uh, you know, basically the the outline of Jesus's life as it's portrayed in the Gospels, uh, further into Acts, and then as I said, uh, maybe a bit of revelation as well. Yeah. Right. It, it's interesting to see that line uh, uh, containing the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, it, it just further goes to show that uh, that Jesus wasn't just a man, right? It, without mm. the Holy Spirit, without, without the Lord himself intervening, um, you know, the, uh, what, what am I trying to say here? That that uh, well, I don't want to say anything wrong. <laughs> to put it lightly, yeah. uh, to 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 just add a quick note there, we none of us are experts, and uh, <laughs> like all, like these creeds and all of the grammar that surrounds them and all the definitions are so hard to keep in your head, and it's so hard to keep yourself from saying something that's like, I mean, technically heretical, right? So like, if we say something like that. Have mercy on us. We're a bunch of Protestants trying to figure out the creeds. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, have mercy. Indeed, we, we are we are fools uh, seeking understanding. Um, yes. So, uh, um, hey, I like that. I've heard that somewhere. I know that I totally stole that from Jacob, and all credit to him for thinking of that. But it it's true. You know, we we are just trying to uh, wrestle with the uncertainties and the uh, questions of faith uh, on this podcast, and and we want to bring you along. Uh, for that and hopefully deepen uh, the listener's faith as well and and really what I was just trying to get at with that line who is conceived by the Holy Spirit is just trying to say that uh, uh, that God himself is involved in uh, the story of redemption that Jesus is is brought about by uh, without the Holy Spirit uh, 
in that moment, um, I got, I don't know. I'm just trying to say that Jesus's origins, Je- Jesus originates in the Lord himself. So, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, that, that's a really difficult con- concept to try and boil down. Uh, but all that to say is that the, the Holy Spirit is interjected right there as Jesus approaches, you know, or gets on the scene in the creed. So, yeah. So, uh, we're, we're coming close to time here, guys. So, uh, I think, I think we should maybe do this if nobody objects here. Um, is there any further comments we want to make on that, that kind of second portion that we have there? I know we didn't touch too much on the portion that we had mentioned in the beginning where it says he descended to hell. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't believe we'll we'll do a part two. Yeah, we could do a part two. That could be helpful. Next time um, on Creed Reacts. In, 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 case, <laughs> in case we don't, though, um, as kind of a quick, just let's just do a quick hitter here. <laughs> do we believe Jesus Christ actually descended into hell uh, before his ultimate resurrection and ascension to heaven? Jacob? If by hell you mean the realm of the dead then yes, if you mean by hell the place of punishment for eternity. I'm just not sure yet. I don't know what I believe about that. I, I've, I've heard good arguments on either side. Okay. Uh, for me, I... Yeah, I, I would have to explore more what you just said there, Jacob. I don't know that I've heard that, that distinction before, but... Um, actually, yes, I have. So I, I'm not. In, I would probably be in step with you there. Um, I don't believe that Jesus uh, descended into some place of eternal punishment, um, and I don't think the scriptural witness, which I think is probably being drawn from First Peter three, there, um, mm-hmm. what is in step with that either. Nate, do you yeah. have a, a stance on that? Before uh, we... I don't have a strong stance. You know, I, I haven't dug into this topic, but it sounds like we're going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, we are we? Yeah, we're, no, this uh, is not the end. We're coming back to do this again. I, I'm actually looking okay. forward to talking about this topic because it, it, uh, it it's an interesting question. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Do we want to save the third stanza then or the third portion yeah. for the next one? Uh, okay. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Then, um, yeah, Jacob, why don't you wrap us up then as we close out? Yeah. So we talked today about uh, just all, like ev- <laughs> so much to do with the Apostles' Creed. We went all over the place, but um, kind of investigating it as a possible use for um, worship and and uh, forming ourselves in the faith, both in the home and in the church. Um, and uh, I think our conclusion is that this is this is definitely something that we could use as at least a thumbnail approach to um, to our understanding of uh, the Trinity and uh, the ramifications of being in unity with that uh, Trinity. Uh, I, I think we, we talked a little bit about the creeds that surround the Apostles' Creed and bolster it, um, but we can definitely do more episodes if, uh, if we want to later on about uh, each of those creeds or maybe pick one of them and, and go deeper into it. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, the the idea of um, Paul splitting the Shema and the references to the Holy Spirit in um, in the Apostles' Creed and, and the seeming deficit, but then also the inclusion of the of uh, the Holy Spirit in the fourth article. Bunch of stuff. We we went all over the place this time. Um, next time we're gonna try to talk through that second and third stanza. I think I think that should be our, our aim is to, to finish out that and then 
maybe provide some more clarity um, from the other creeds about what, what it means when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, or I believe in uh, Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Um, what, what are we actually saying there? Uh, and then maybe we'll also talk about the descent to the, to the de- uh, descent to the dead or to hell or however we want to frame it. Um, yeah. So perhaps, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Per, Any yeah, real quick thoughts? before you, you give that last closer, Jacob, perhaps we should uh, uh, make an email or something to, to where if somebody by chance is listening to this and wants to engage with anything that we've said, uh, I know we've said some kind of debatable topics, uh, made some debatable points uh, in different episodes. Yep. Uh, so if somebody wants to engage with us, we're more than happy to to speak to people perhaps we can get an email going to where uh we could be reached uh and and reach back out um but that that all to say that uh you know we're we're doing this to kind of engage and interact with each other uh to bolster Mm -hmm. being us three on the podcast to hopefully iron sharpening iron for the three of us uh but we're also here to to serve you guys as well um and to hopefully uh provide some sort of fruit that you can glean uh as we kind of take you along in our conversation and and different topics so we're here for you guys we want to be able to engage with you guys and answer your questions so hopefully we can get something together for that as well yeah there actually is an email address you can use i already got one so uh the the email address is uh sophomoros which is uh down at the bottom of your podcast player uh, in the bottom right corner, there should be the spelling for that, S-O-P-H-O-M-O-R-O-S, and then so it's sophomorosofficial at gmail.com. So we will uh, take a look at that every once in a while and see if we've got any any thoughts or questions uh, that we should discuss when we're back on air with each other. Um, Nate, anything you want to add to close out before we close out? No, I... Uh, well, I say no, and then I say something, so, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah, I just want to say uh, thank you to you guys for having this conversation with me, uh, and, and thank you to the listener for uh, tuning in all the way to this point. Uh, we do really want this podcast to be useful uh, for you all, and uh, so a part of that comes from hearing from y'all. So if you guys want to uh, want to reach out and either let us know if you've gained something from the podcast let us know if you disagree with us on the podcast we we as you can tell by now we love having conversations with each other uh, even if it's about mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. topics so if there's a question that you really want us to talk about or address please email us like that that's just my uh plea to you like you know like we we would really enjoy that so uh if yep. there's any way that we can serve you better then let us know agreed yeah. the Kind All of right. the goal of the podcast is to come to the table and to to learn and commune with one another. So, yeah, that's good. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Triclinium Podcast. Um, we will see you guys next time, and as always, may Christ be exalted. Amen.